0: John Panos, John McGrath, Troy Malcolm, and welcome to
1: Million Dollar Agent. How are you, gentlemen? Very cosy. Well, we're here in front of the fire. We're having a little kind of a... It's a cold, wintry day in Sydney, but we're having a good MDA in front of the uh, you know, fire.
0: I love... That, that fire there that we're looking at, that's gas, right? <laughs>
1: No, it's actually like that. It's a spirit. I call it methylated spirit. It's some sort of spirit. And it's ethanol. Ethanol, isn't there it? There you go. Yeah. See, Troy you the technical detail. So just so I've got, you know, because it
0: looks... I mean, I don't know what about you guys, but visually looking at a fire adds just so much
1: to the whole concept. Yeah. And you know, the warmth that a fire goes off is good, but I kind of like the, the fact that, you know, we're getting into a wintry period because... Unlike Melbourne, Sydney is often one of those places that can go with almost two seasons a year. Yeah. Yeah. So I quite like it having a bit, even if it's for a couple of weeks, a bit of a cold snap. So, so that'll be good off the back of state of origin last week. Most people would be aware that there was a dominant win again.
2: And also, Tom, you may as well get it out now. The announcement: Robbie is now back or joining Robbie Farrar. Yeah. Well, I mean, isn't this exciting?
0: Let's have a look at what's happening on. So this weekend,
2: and I'm actually thinking about going to Leichhardt Oval
0: because the game's on at Leichhardt. Yep. It's on at 3 o'clock on Sunday. And as as, uh, uh, Gus... Um, says w- no better feeling than a Sunday afternoon at Leichhardt Oval, holy Benji holy. Marshall, Robbie Farrer, back to the good old days. So guys, I look forward to actually talking to you over the next few weeks, <laughs> being, a, being a winner. And gang, have I got news for you? <laughs> yesterday I was doing a session and Ivan Cleary's uh, uh, daughter was in this session again yesterday. Indy? And I, uh, Indy? Yep. And I said, Indy, um, uh, what are the chances of um, getting an interview with your dad talking about, you know, calmness, you know, um, leadership. And she goes, I think it's just a case of um, asking him, you know, he's yeah, right. like, you, you go, if you ask He's him, a very so, accommodating guy, yeah. Um, and, um, Brilliant. So yeah. I'm, 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 Challenge. I'm, I'm looking, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, so, Troy, today is a Q&A day. Um, You got a great question that's come in from uh, Western Australia, I believe.
2: Yeah, so I got a question and I get a lot of questions, so guys keep sending them through via Instagram. But this was from someone young in the industry that had uh, had a start in the industry but wasn't necessarily working in the area that they wanted to be. Uh, They were mystery shopped and then approached from an area, but they also felt a little bit of loyalty to the place where they got their start. And as we all know, the industry, there, there is the kind of concept that to go to an area, to go to the next level, sometimes you need to change. And I guess that's the question of today. When's the right time to make a move? Or do you grow within an individual area and stay with the business that you have been for a long period of time? So there's kind of a couple of questions there. I'd love to get your thoughts. Okay, uh, and well, then we, we tackle it as a group. Because there, there's a few things that are the questions in there, but that's the, the general uh, concept of the question today.
0: And that, that question in a broader... Uh, level could be uh, asked by many people that have joined an office in an area that's not their dream area, but for whatever reason, coincidence, luck, um, they live nearby, but where they want to be is a totally different area, and a lot of people have a dilemma, should I leave, and leave behind equity, brand, and um, a great boss? If I want to move into something that's going to be my dream area, John, um, you were lucky enough in your career, from what I can tell, that you were really, really happy that you started where you were mm. and you um, adored that Paddington, eastern suburbs area that you worked. You
1: yeah, know, you're right, Tom. I think though, you know, you can be happy in any area. There are not many parts of Australia that you can't make a great living and enjoy working out of. But what I'm Getting from the question that the uh, that the uh, guy that wrote the, to Troy, I think it was a guy. I'm not sure. Yeah, <clears throat> um, you know, there, there's. It felt like Troy from when you actually went through the question in detail earlier before we went live. It was there was a degree of loyalty, mm-hmm. so he was concerned about, which is a wonderful thing. And when people join us, that generally is is the most common thing. Is look, I'd really love to join, but I feel loyal, and and we. The only people we want to join us are those that do feel loyal and feel uncomfortable about leaving because that means you're a good person. It's a human trait. If someone gave you a start, assuming that they've treated you well, which generally they have. um, So I think the loyalty thing is not an unusual situation. It's one that you should expect. It doesn't necessarily mean it's one that should stop you because at some point you've got to make the decision, I think, Tommy. you You have to be loyal to yourself first and foremost. So my question would be, firstly, is the other proposition other company that's courting you is it really a better deal and, and you have to dig deep into that because it's like in relationship you've been in a relationship with someone for 15 years well then you know like there, there becomes a little bit of you know people get used to it and becomes in some instances not right or wrong but it's routine and then you know there are external factors that people uh, are often tempted by in this real world we live in and I think you've got to ask the question is this really a better option? I think also, Troy, in that instance, um, the author was talking about, or the real estate guy was talking about, the fact that it was in an area where their office didn't have any market share. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, again, I don't think that necessarily means you shouldn't go there. You can create your own market share. I mean, so, Alexandra
0: Stamichu buddha is a, is a very good example of someone who's got uh, uh, $1
1: million plus of uh, gross fees out of oh, a earlwood a couple, couple now yeah a couple mm. it? okay yeah um, so you always choose the greeks don't you you're, it's every case study that you're proud of it's always greek is is that a coincidence it came first <laughs> sorry it came first to mine, alexandra now alex a great example yeah. because when she joined us we had no business in earlwood earlwood was is still today 25 minutes away from the office and she came in and you're right she's a great example of someone that took what the brand had to offer she took the coaching and training, and she took that energy into a let's call it a remote, because it was an area with zero market share. A remote area, and she just and she built it, and she's now got market dominance. And uh, you know, probably closer to a couple of million dollars GCI, I, I would imagine, at the moment. So, this is, so So for all our listeners here, this is not a case
0: of the next suburb or the suburb after the next suburb. This is
1: about getting into a car and driving nearly half an hour away. Yeah, it's probably six or seven different suburbs to, to yeah. drive through to get to her core market. So I think the world's changed. I don't think... In fact, I was having a good meeting this morning with a colleague in our industry, and, and he was saying that you know every, every meeting he has is at a client's house or at a local cafe. And he said they wouldn't even know. His office happens to be in Double Bay, but they, he said they wouldn't even know where my office is. It doesn't really matter. And I think there's a lot to be said about that. So, the first thing I'd say to the question would be uh, well done for having loyalty. You should Mm. have it, and it should be a factor, but it may not be the ultimate factor. You've got to be loyal to yourself as well as loyal to others. Two is um, the fact that your current business or office doesn't have market share in the area that you're attracted to doesn't mean you can't. Mm -hmm. So, you might approach your boss, and if you think it's the right brand and, and the right person, you can say, Look, I'd like, here's a business plan, a one page business plan, as to how I'm going to attack that earlwood market or whatever is the market's called. So I think there's a lot to be said um,
2: about that. I think it's also being conscious of, it sounds like a little bit of a growth question as well. They want to grow as an individual. So the question is, you know, do they sit down and be really open and frank or sit down in, a, in an environment that is safe and have the conversation? Listen, I've done really well. Um, you've taught me so much. I'm looking to grow again. Um, and having that conversation, because there might be things that they're excelling in, and there might be gaps as well that they need to upskill. Yeah, and I think so sure, there's a couple yeah. of aspects of that to, to as that well. To that
1: point, the grass isn't always greener. Sometimes it is, by the way. Mm. There's no doubt that sometimes someone taps you on the shoulder and they have a compelling offer, just like an agent has for a vendor, Well, often a principal has for an agent. So I think uh, it's, it's kind of healthy to be open to that. Uh, but the other thing I find, Tom, a lot of time agents blame their principal or their current place of business for lack of results. and yet then I often will sit down with them and I'll coach them and I'll say, well, you're doing this, 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 and this, all of which can be done with or without principal support. They're just activities and a way of being, and they'll often say, no, I'm not doing any of that. And I say, well, why don't you do all of that first and then work out if it's the right brand to move from Mm. or the right office to move from because it's so easy to blame third parties and external factors for lack of success. So I think you've got to take responsibility, take ownership, um, and I think you also mentioned from memory the the fairly long-winded question, which I know mm. you, you summarised before, but it was around, he felt the other brand was sexier and a little bit more innovative. Well, that's actually, that's it's important. Yeah. You kind of want to be with a brand that's keeping pace, if not leading the market in your territory, if possible. Um, so I think you know, there's a few things to weigh up there. And I think on one side you've got, you know, the, the the loyalty factor and on the other side you've got potentially this is a brand, the the new brand would be one which is a bit more progressive by the sounds of things. Mm. Um, I wouldn't be so swayed by the fact they have an office in the area because plenty of agents are market dominant without having an office in the area. Yep. That's really an, a process or an activity. But, um, yeah, it is interesting times and I think, Tom, as the market tightens up, there are going to be a lot of people that kind of try and work out are they in the best spot now for where their career is? Well, one
0: of the, I think one of the biggest lies in real estate that has been told to a group of people is that a higher percentage split means you'll make more money. I yeah. can't, help, I can't okay. get over the amount of damage that lie has happened in the real estate industry because I have a lot of real estate gym members that said to me they had this theory in their head that they could not only go off and move and make more money with a higher split, this is the other one, that they'd actually work less hours <laughs> and make more money because they could do less transactions. And yeah. generally speaking, most people, and I say it, the grass is not always greener. The only grass that's greener is fake grass. If you think about it, right? That always looks beautiful, right? And anything that looks fantastic on a spreadsheet, anything that looks fantastic on a spreadsheet, rarely looks fantastic in real life. I mean, no one's going to show you a spreadsheet that doesn't look anything but good. Um, John, what's your view? And Troy, you want to jump in. You've got a lot of people that you look after, both in training and in your sales role there, of, of people that, you know, start looking at, hey, there's a 90... I mean, there, there have been times where the split's been 95%. You know, you hear of these 95% splits. What's your view on that?
1: Well, look, I think that there are different models. The only model you don't want to be a part of is the unsustainable model because you're going to have to move sooner than later. And I think at the moment, there are a few unsustainable models out there that you have to be aware of because you go out there and you make a song and dance, I've moved, you tell all your clients, and then if in six months' time you've got to move again, that's mm. going to erode your credibility. So... You have to make sure that wherever you decide to go, I'm with you Tom, I think commission rates generally, anywhere between kind of 50 and 70 and, percent, and I think the better companies are paying the better agents generally in that bracket, um, I think a, a well-run company can run profitably on that and can reinvest back into the business and help people. Once you get at the top end or above that, I think it becomes difficult. So. I think you've got to ask yourself, you know, is this fake grass or is this really green grass? The other thing is it's a matter of, you know, 60%, 70%, 80% of what? Yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, my math was never, never particularly good, but I'd rather get 60% of one and a half million than 80% of 600. Yeah. I figure it's going to be a long way ahead. And so I think what you've got to do is firstly, and you sent me a really great um, screenshot, Tom, a while ago that was on uh, on your was either on your gym, Facebook. Or what, or what real estate agency were they looking for? is culture, right? Yeah. And yeah. I think 90% of them yeah. said, what would have you move? Yeah. And most of them, it wasn't a high commission split, which I yeah. think is really great credibility to the industry that they're not being kind of, you know, sort of attracted to bright, shiny things. They're going for culture. Yeah. And I, I was really pleased to to read that. And I think that's telling that you want to be in an environment where, A, you turn up every day and enjoy it. Yeah. Because you're at real estate 60 hours a week, most of us. Um Secondly, you want to be surrounded by people that are growing, that have positive mindset like yourself. So that cultural piece is really important. So for me, is commission relevant? It's not irrelevant, but it's certainly for me not the top. The top one is where will you learn the most? Um, where will you be hanging out with people that are high quality people, that you enjoy them and they're going to help you grow your career? Where are you going to be mentored the best? Um, those sort of questions are far above is where who's going to give you an extra 5 or 10%. Mm. Uh, in my mind. Can I ask you this question? Picture this.
0: I'm a real estate agent that listens to MDA podcasts. I go to a fair bit of training. Um, I'm always looking to get better. I work in a real estate office that isn't really on the same page. They're okay, but they're not the type that is into training and development. The boss themselves doesn't have a lot of time because they're out there trying to write $800,000 themselves with their own PA. Um, It's not great, but it's not terrible. And on a Sunday night when I'm going into work, I actually feel like I'm a bit of a solo because none of the other salespeople are really much into it. They're not as competitive, they're not as hungry, and they're happy just to plod along. Do I stay at that office or will I do better being in an environment that is more aggressive, competitive, always
1: looking to strive and get I better? I think the way you've described that, Troy, give us your opinion, but by the way you described that sounded like it was a company that has seen better days and you may want to so – some instances, Tom, I hear something that's quite a, not quite as damning as that, but, you know, this is not perfect, and I say, well, why don't you become part of the solution and recommend some things and say, to them, look, can I take over the sales meetings? I reckon we have more dynamic sales meetings. Can I hire in Tom Panos to come and speak to our sales team? Can we get a budget for that? Sometimes when you're part of the solution, you bring in some exciting new ideas. Mm. You can lift the whole company. The way you described that last one, it felt like you know it was going to be a hard yards. And, and my initial reaction would have been you might be better to move because there seemed to be a lot of things that weren't going your way. But I think if you're with a good company and they have room for improvement, which every company does, um, I think I would take a role of leadership and say, well, I'm going to make some suggestions. I'm going to listen to Real Estate Gym or go to ARIC or do some stuff. And now, if at that point you come up against brick walls and the principal says, no, no, we don't need any of that training stuff. No, we don't have to invest in that. We don't need to upgrade our website. We're, at some point, you'll get a picture that they're actually not up for any progress with or without you. So I, I think, you know, first try and be part of the solution. And if it looks like no one else wants to participate, then you might want to move on. Okay.
2: I would be exactly the same. I would be looking at the company as a whole, first and foremost, and then breaking it down into the office. What are some of the rituals that that sales leader does offer if they're not offering what you mentioned? Are you really running solo or have you not taken the initiative, as John said, and reached out and said, listen, I'd, I really want to be accountable to you. Here's what I'm thinking. Can you check in with me once a fortnight? Can you check in with me weekly? What time frame can we have? Can I run the sales meeting? Can we include video? I just bought the Eric Clips. You know, we just went to the TREP website, I went to ARIC, I got all these notes, and now I want to make sure that every month, for the next 12 months, we're implementing two or three sales.
1: And this is not a plug to sell any ARIC video. Are they for sale? Yeah, they
2: are. Yeah, (laughs) the Tret website, tret.com.au. Okay, I didn't even
1: know that, but uh, that's good. So, but whether it's that or real estate, gym, or a combination of of any number of things, or or you go to YouTube, YouTube. it's free, whatever. (laughs) But if you invested a few hundred bucks and said, okay, for the next, uh, there was 32 ARIC speakers, I think. Yeah. Once a week for the next kind of year, most of the year, three quarters of a year, we're going to listen to a speech for an hour, mm-hmm. or a lot of them are 15, 20 minutes, yeah. and then we're going to debrief it. That's almost your ingredients for a dynamic set of sales training for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. You can do that. Um, so I think there are a lot of reasonable cost ways you can invest. But you, you know, to, to, the, to your point, Tom, you do need to have someone that's going to embrace them. And if the principal said, no, don't need to listen to our videos, don't need to be members of the real estate mm. gym. Don't need to send you to Eric. I mean, we had one company. I can't remember. Was it Marshall? Someone sent fifty-two people there this year to Eric. Uh, uh, Marshall White. Marshall White. White, and I
2: know that. Um, jealous Craig sent a big portion of Jealous had a huge and, and yeah. our Harris dear real friends State. at Harris yep. and
1: Owens and Castley. Yep. There's a lot of companies that that are heavily investing, and in, I know there's an old saying that you used to say at times. You know, if you think investing in training is expensive, try not investing in training. Yeah. You know, it's a lot more expensive. Yeah. And. And that's very, very true. So I'm, I'm a great believer in culture, um, training, investing in your team, progressive ideas. Don't think as a principal you've got the best ideas. Embrace them from others.
2: Also making it fun. I think that's an incredibly important part of the sales environment we, w- we work in right now. Now, fun doesn't mean high-fiving and being silly. It just means rewarding and recognition of some of the outstanding achievements. Because there's some phenomenal work happening around the metropolitan areas, the regional areas, and they should be celebrated. Now, what does that mean? It's actually recognition at those sales meetings. You know, just a, 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 a case study template or something like that that people can talk through and get that appreciation what, what, of the uh, work.
0: So as we come to this end of this podcast, Troy, can I ask you, you go to sales meetings, John, you go to sales meetings, you run sales meetings... Um, I reckon that being a sales manager on a weekly basis, if you're running meetings, can sometimes be a challenging task to be able to bring in and make a sales meeting fun, enjoyable, valuable, week in, week out. Mm. Best tip to any of our sales managers that listen to this podcast, there's plenty that do. Mm -hmm. Plenty of sales managers actually use a lot of the content here. What's a big tip to them on how to make their next sales meeting fun, enjoyable and worthwhile?
1: So it's going to sound bland, but for me it's preparation. A sales meeting, you're putting 5, 10, 15 people in a room for an hour. You don't just walk into the room at 8 o'clock for an 8 o'clock meeting. You need to think about it, create a template. You know, So each week, for example, we're going to have either MDA podcast, Eric video, clip from Tom. You know, there are plenty of things you can do. We're going to start off with that. Then we're going to celebrate the wins. So what are the wins of the week? And you need to have them. You need to know what are the wins so you can say, hey, Tom, record sale last week. Congratulations. Troy, I hear that you're on the verge of having your best year ever. What can we do to help you? So as a manager, you've got to create that energy and excitement, but it it requires preparation, I think, to to create that. So I think having a good agenda that's well-prepared and well-thought through, a lot of that can be delegated, by the way. You could delegate to your... PA, sales secretary, one of your sales people say every week, I want you to bring a video between 10 and 15 minutes into the sales that we can debrief or watch as a team and debrief. Uh, I think that's very good, Troy. What are your thoughts?
2: Uh, I think start on time and finish on time. Nothing more frustrating from a salesperson. Everyone's busy if you start 10 minutes late and you go half an hour over, right? Everyone needs to be, you know, it's a rhythm, it's a promptness, it's high energy. I always go over. So it needs to be high energy, and that's why I mentioned it when I was looking at John. I didn't, for everyone listening, I didn't actually... I always actually, start on time, though. I didn't point at John. But I, if,
1: get, I do get points for starting on time. Yeah. No, because I get on a roll, but I'm also... <laughs> I, I Here's what you normally say to people. Look, it's now nine. I'm almost finished. If you've got to go, go. But yep. Uh, no, look. I think when you get on a roll, we all love what we do, don't we? And we yeah. all kind of. And I think
2: sharing, just sharing, but having, making it more collaborative. There's nothing worse than going somewhere and just having to stop and listen and watch. Yeah. There's points that need to be actioned. So sharing that information throughout the group is really one big thing that I've seen work very well in a weekly sales meeting. Bigger group meetings, you can't, you don't have time to do that. But just definitely because there's a wealth of knowledge in the office. I like your idea,
1: office. Troy, on on uh, collaboration because you can say, I want everyone to bring in a quote or I want someone to bring in a quote each week. I want someone to read a chapter of a book and summarise it, and can you go through it? There's so many great books out there nowadays. Mm. Um, so, yeah, leverage the people you've got. And, and uh, yeah, uh, Troy, I want you to come and give us a rundown on Newtown, the history and background in Newtown, and every week we're going to do another suburb and someone else is going to be a suburb expert. There's so many things you can do, but you've got to start with the fact that these are meant to be an hour of power mm. and excitement-filled hour and that's not going to happen it needs to be prepared and planned. Once a month um, some officers I know run uh, script school what
0: they do is they have the 15 most common things that are asked by buyers and sellers in their marketplace whether they're at a listing presentation about fee whether they're about um, a buyer bringing up um, an issue and what they do is they cut them out put them into a hat yep. and then the sales team sits around and people take role out play, and they role play Brilliant. and they say that's there. And what actually happens is uh, they answer it and this uh, action learning and looking at your colleagues doing it um, allows them to actually uh,
1: improve on the stuff that happens in a real day-to-day. Yeah. And you said fun before, Troy. For me, that can create a sense of fun because yeah. you, know, you never know what you're going to get. Someone's <laughs> going you know, like, to be a deer in a spotlight and that's okay because you've got to be bad at something before you're good at it. And I think that's all part of the excitement and the, the mystery of you know, running a great sales team. You've
2: got to yeah. keep things... Well, it's a that, safe environment, good. right, as yeah. well. It's an hour of safe. safe. So no matter what you do, you're not going to be judged, right? It's Everyone might have a laugh. No, it's no, no we'll much. judge them, for sure. We'll <laughs> judge them. <too.
1: laughs> we'll no judgment, no <laughs> judgment. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, years ago, a guy called Darren Sherlaw did some coaching for us years ago. And, and From Sherlaw's. Sherlaw's, mm. yeah. And he said a leader's got two key jobs, create energy and clear energy. Mm. And I thought that was a really good summary. You know, I mean, It does boil it down to a couple of basic elements. I'm sure there's other stuff, but create energy and sales meeting is a distinct... Uh, appointment each week in your calendar the way you can create energy for your team and clear energy. So, you know, you may or may not want to do too much energy clearing in a group environment. Sometimes that's going to be one-on-one when someone's got a bit of attitude or they've missed out, they're a bit down or they're a bit toxic in the environment. But creating and clearing energy is a really good metaphor for the two most important roles, if not the only, but the two most important roles for leaders that are listening, Mm. for anyone that's listening. Yeah. Now, Troy...
0: We are going to run a competition on the back of the great Eric competition that we ran for iTunes Reviews. Yep. Um, we are going to run a competition. That competition is being run from today to the end of July. Correct. So we've got basically 25 or 35 days. So what we'd like you to do is to go in and put your review on what you think of MDA um, give us a five-star rating. That's yep. the highest, isn't it? Yep. okay it five. must be five star. a five-star rating. <laughs> and look, I'm, I'm not 100%. Um, uh, I don't know. We don't get paid for rating. We actually don't get paid at all. But no. that's, <laughs> an, that's another issue. The issue is... What if is... they've
1: rated us before? Can they rate again? Or is it only once? Uh, that's
0: they a
2: good They can go question. in and
0: put
1: comments again.
0: They, they can, can go in yeah. and
1: comment again. Um, so
0: comments and ratings on the iTunes um, store, Um, we'd love to get you. And the winner is going to receive a one-hour coaching session uh, with all of us. Now, I don't know how attractive that competition is. We're going to actually see how many people decide to enter. But what we will say is that that coaching session, subject to the approval of the coachee, will actually be videotaped because if we're doing it by Zoom, what we're going to do is videotape that coaching session and get the key nuggets out of it. And we are going to circulate it all over social media. With their media, permission. With their permission. Subject if if to their you approval. win the
1: prize but don't want to do that, we'll still give you a coaching session. Mm-hmm. But I think you know, we always go by the principle of leverage. And, and if, if, uh, you know, if we can do a coaching session that's helpful for one of our members for our listeners, then that's kind of maybe good for 10,000 of our listeners. So, Correct. Now, absolutely. what if they go on and give us a crap rating? Do they still get the opportunity? To get no. Them? Absolutely, because we'll be coaching them on more than,
0: more yeah. than their
2: issues. We'll, uh, we'll teach them how to do five-star so reviews.
0: Go, go on there, guys and girls. We'd love to. We're, we're Absolutely. I have to tell you, I'm proud of the podcast because I showed someone yesterday the podcast and they downloaded it or subscribed to it for the first time and he said to me, when did you start this podcast? Mm-hmm. And I said a couple of years ago. And then what I did is a few now. Three, I think. Well, Two thousand and thirteen. Two thousand and thirteen. Because then I went <laughs> five years. <laughs> five oh, years. Shit. It is John. <laughs> and I went down because the first episode. Well, that was a great no, title. November introduction. Introduction. It's, it was very that original. Was the first title. <laughs> you, have you and, played it? Uh, I haven't played. It. Oh, you've years. got to play
2: it. It's very,
0: very raw. Is it? <laughs> yeah, it's good. So, Troy, what are you basically saying? As soon as you came on, the rawness <laughs> went. High technology. All of a sudden, Troy's name came on the cover.
1: <laughs> this was this this was a classic. When case. You were you on the
2: You were on the first one, weren't you? I was on the fir- just behind the scenes. There was behind no the microphone. Scenes, no, yeah. Yeah. that was it.
1: Remember that day he changed the logo and he changed the name without us even knowing. And we just looked at it one day and said, how'd that name get up there? Since that day, we've never looked back.
2: We've (laughs) never looked back.
1: I'll never forget that day. That came all by
0: surprise. It was like coming home and having an agent put a signboard on your house and you're on the market. You're thinking, what's going on here? Troy, it's been a pleasure having you. (laughs) Guys and girls, we will see you next week. Hope you stay warm. See you later. Bye. Bye, guys.